like this. I'm Beb. And I'm Molly. And this is our podcast. When we first met, we thought we were basically the same person, united by our love of Kanye West and Poundland and Mickey Mouse and Captain Underpants. But three years in, we've realised that we have just as many differences. And that's what this podcast is. Each episode, we'll be delving into a topic, exploring why one of us likes it, and more importantly, asking the other... Why don't you like this? The truth is, I don't want anyone in this room being raped, myself included. That's very good of you, love. Ah, fair play. So this episode we're going to be talking about Gavin and Stacey, the classic late 2000s BBC sitcom. All this said, I've only ever seen one episode, I think around Christmas time, you made me watch the Christmas special. How long has Gavin and Stacey been in your life? I kind of remember watching it... Maybe when the second or third season was coming out. Did you watch it, like, as it was airing? Yeah, I remember it was, like... I probably would have been in, like, secondary school. And it was just when things started to get big, when I was, like, 12 or 13. Yeah. So I kind of was aware of it, a bit like you with In Between Us. Like, yeah. you know, you kind of switch on, like, but it's halfway through the TV show. Yeah. I think, for me, because my family are Welsh... Kind of some of the humour just made me think, yeah, that's very similar to what my... Yeah. Because you own it on a box set. And I've owned that box set for years. I remember me and mum went to Truro once. I'd skived a day off school and gone in and bought it and mum had bought it for me. Because obviously I wasn't 15 at the time. I remember when we were living at your mum's, you had this like big drawer full of DVDs. And I think she chucked it in the garden or something. Yeah, she had put these chest of drawers outside in the garden, not thinking that there was anything in them. And all my DVDs had been waterlogged. And I think Gavin and Stacey was the only one that yeah, I saved. Yeah, miraculously it seems to have no water damage at all. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about the show, uh, how I felt about it, and the normal stuff we talk about on this podcast. Before we get into the show, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Um, I know we like to joke around on the show, we have some goose and some gaffs, we have some laughs, but now we need to talk about something very serious. For the last year or so, we've been waiting for a new Kanye West album. We knew Yandy was coming at some point and that supposedly has been shelved, and now we're waiting on Jesus is King. That's all very well, I'm sure Kanye's doing what he needs to to make the album the best he can. But what I'd like to know is, why does no one in my life care about it? So this episode is brought to you by the Foundation for Making People in My Life Care About Kanye West. Every day I say to people, the Kanye West album is coming, the Kanye West album is coming, and they say, okay, they're really not interested. And I think that's, I think that's a crime. Obviously we both agree that he's the most important musician in the world at the moment, and it's just, it's just unfortunate that people don't, don't care enough. I don't even think it's people don't care enough. I think people don't respect him enough. Yeah, and I think... It really pisses me off when someone takes the piss out of the fact that we really like Kanye West. And I think, okay, go and listen to Taylor Swift and think that's great. Have you heard Ultralight Beam? Ultralight Beam is a solid tune and it is chance at his very best. So here's our call to action. If there's someone in your life who doesn't care enough about Kanye West... Say to them, do you think the Kanye West album is coming? Do you care? And if they say no, ask them why. 
Or unfriend them immediately. (laughs) Unfriend them, then send them messages anonymously. Tell them where to start. Tell them graduation's a good starting point. As I said to someone at work when they said to me that they're going to buy me a chicken little backpack as my secret Santa present, I said, I'll unfriend you in real life. Now that we've had that word from our sponsors, let's get into the show. So I'm going to open again with another pretentious quote, quoting a definition. Populist, a person, especially a politician, who strives to appeal to ordinary people who feel their concerns are disregarded by established elite groups. So obviously, if you take the politics out of that sentence, I think populism could very well describe the type of TV show that Gavin and Stacey is. I think Gavin and Stacey is our generation's this country. I don't think I'm wrong to say that. I think they both adhere to a certain kind of person, a person who thinks, you know, me as a group of people, like my culture, is not spoken enough on TV. This country being like, I don't know, like kind of rough council estates. I feel like this country is um, more of a satire of that though. Yeah. I don't think the people watching it are the people that grew up in countryside towns. But I think the thing with Gavin and Stacey is it's hard because James Corden's, in my life at least, such a hated character. Yeah. Like, the only thing James Corden's got going for him is the fact that he was in Gavin and Stacey ten years ago. He did write and create it. Yeah, but like, still... Yeah. You know, when you said about the guy from IT Crowd and stuff being a bad guy, kind of discredits it a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so with the idea of populism and appealing to the ordinary person, how much of yourself do you see in Gavin and Stacey? I think, for me, the thing that gets me every time is how much Gwen's house looks like my nine's house. Like, you've been to my nine's house and it's really weird how similar it is. Yeah, it does look a lot like it. Like, the kitchen's exactly the same, the living room's pretty much similar... The front room especially is, like, picture... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was saying to Seb how... I don't know whether it's a thing in Wales or just, like, maybe up country where you have dinner and then you have supper. I'd never had that down here, but I remember whenever I'd stay with my nine, she'd always make us toasties in the evening as, like, the late like after-dinner snack. And it kind of reminds me of the way Gwen makes omelettes for them. I don't know, I feel like what I know of where my nine lives in Barmouth, I see in where Barry is. I mean, I've been to Barmouth once, we went for a week about a year ago. And from what I've seen in the show, they are comparable. Like the arcade and stuff being the main attraction there. So is that what it is that draws you into Gavin and Stacey, is the Welsh backdrop? Yeah, I think for me, having family that, like, for me, it's hard because I don't feel like I've really got a culture. The main thing I describe myself as is I'm too Cornish for the Welsh, too Welsh for the Cornish. Like the famous L sweatshirt line, too black for the white kids and too white for the blacks. Which is true, though. Yeah. Because I've said to people before, I've been like, oh, you know, I'm Cornish through and through. They've gone, the only thing about you that's Cornish is the fact you were born in Trelisk. And it's kind of like a 
bit of a diss. But then, obviously, I can't speak any Welsh, and all my family can speak Welsh other than me. Can your mum speak Welsh? Mum can speak Welsh, dad can speak Welsh, all my family can speak Welsh. Yeah. But I can't speak Welsh. There's kind of a barrier there, culture barrier. I think the main reason when I go to Wales that I get accepted is the fact that my nine knows everyone in her town. Yeah. Or in literally any of the neighbouring towns she knows everyone but I don't feel like I could walk down the street by myself and still get the same you know yeah respect so what is it about Gavin and Stacey that you like I think for me when I grew up I never really saw what it was like to be Welsh yeah I never felt like there was very much representation of Welsh people in media yeah. Other than people saying, oh, Welsh, they're sheep sh- shaggers. I guess, but that's only 50% of the show. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I don't think any of it was actually filmed in Essex. I suppose. I'm pretty sure it was all filmed in Barry. But in terms of character representation, only half the characters are Welsh. Yeah, but I feel like the main characters are Welsh. I guess, like, it's I feel like it Gavin does... and Stacey. I feel like it does focus on Stacey's family mom, Gavin's. I suppose... So I think the biggest barrier for me with this show is that I don't see myself in any of the characters. Gavin, I I don't like Gavin. Why? I don't know. He's not someone I'd be friends with. I don't know. He's someone I'd tolerate if I worked with him, I guess, but... I don't know. I feel like his group of friends is what your group of friends is like back home. Do you think? Gavin as a character, I didn't see anything in him. I think... Him and Stacey were probably the least interesting part of the show. And I mean, I guess maybe that's kind of the point. They kind of play yeah, the straight man while is. the rest of them play sort of the goofy backdrop. But I think the main thing about Gavin and Stacey, I think also what makes The Office so easy to watch and easy to engage is the fact that it's so mundane. And I think the main thing is Gavin and Stacey as a couple aren't the most interesting mm. thing about the show. I guess. I don't know. Even besides that, there was only one character I actually liked in the show. Who? Who do you think the character Uncle I liked? Uncle Bryn. Yeah, Uncle Bryn was the only character I really liked. I don't know. I think Gavin's dad's pretty cool as well. I don't know. Gavin's dad doesn't do a lot for me. I'd say I preferred Gavin's mum more than his dad. I think it's hard because... They're trying so hard just to portray normal characters. But I feel like the one problem that I've noticed with the show is it doesn't feel like it's trying to make you laugh. I guess that's kind of like what The Office does where... But then even The Office is funny. Having said that, when it was first on, I didn't understand that it was meant to be a sitcom. Anytime I saw any part of it, I assumed it was just like an EastEnders-type drama. But it is more like that than a sitcom. Yeah, I suppose. Like, it isn't as funny as... My analogy here for Gavin and Stacey is it's the everyday person's version of Peep Show. Which I think that kind of brings me on to a point I wanted to mention. Is I think there's everyday people's media and then... I guess, I don't know a way to say it without sounding sort of a bit pretentious or smart. 
type people's media. It's like the Karens of the world's media, the live, love, laugh post, rather than the posts that kind of make you think. And, like, I I, I feel almost embarrassed saying that because it sounds so pretentious and as if I'm putting myself above the demographic of Gavin and Stacey. Nah, it's kind of like people who enjoy South Park, though, isn't it? I suppose. Like, I would... And I fully mean this to kind of rub people the wrong way. I hate South Park. I hate the people who watch South Park. I think they're all idiots. Um, I don't. I don't stand exactly in the same place with South Park. I think it does. It does. I hate South it, Park. It at least tries to say something. No. I think I take issue with the way it says things. I think it takes. Too, I think it's so ridiculous. I think it takes too much of a centrist stance on things. But I feel like it's the Charlie Hebdo of TV shows where it thinks it can say everything to be really controversial but then if someone you know did something to them they'd be like oh what the hell it's just freedom of speech man having said that though I just I don't think that I'm in the target demographic for Gavin and Stacey I think maybe the main thing is if it missed you when it was on because I feel like it was such a big cultural thing when it was on that everyone who I've spoken to who said that they used to watch it back in the day has always been like, oh, it's so good. Whereas I feel like if you watch it now, like, it kind of falls on deaf ears. It's not as impactful as it used to be. Like, even the jokes, some of them I just didn't really get when I first watched it. Even when they were at dinner in that Italian restaurant and Bryn was holding that salt and pepper thing... In sort of a phallic way. In a phallic way and saying, oh, I've never had one this big before. Or something, and I never, never even yeah. noticed it as a kid. But watching it back, I was like, "That's definitely a very gay thing to say." Yeah, I, I really liked Uncle Brian. I think Bryn. Bryn. <laughs> I think he was well played. He was charming. He was well written. And I suppose he's kind of the only character that's written to be overtly funny. He's I think, kind of a comic relief. I think he did a lot of freestyling with his script, like a scene behind the scenes. Thing, and I'm pretty sure Ruth Jones and that annoying guy from Saturday Night Fever or whatever he's from. But I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they kind of just let him do his stuff. Yeah. And just free. Most of it's just freestyle. But as much as I liked him, even him, I guess. I guess there's no way I'm necessarily going to see myself in him as a character. Um, I think that seems to be kind of a theme in a lot of our episodes. Is do you see yourself? in this piece of media i'd say an example like a an example of a show that i've been watching very recently um i found out that on amazon prime they had both seasons of grandma's house which was um a sitcom written directed and starring simon amstel it came out sort of quite close to after he left um never mind the buzzcocks and he kind of plays a version of himself who has just left a popular TV show. And I think what I like about the show is that Simon's kind of constantly trying to ask these existential questions and his family just looks at him as if you're being ridiculous and you've got to live in the real world. Which is how I look at Seb every day when he asks me a stupid question. Yeah, so I think in that regard I do kind of see myself in a show like that. Are there any shows that you sort of see yourself in? I don't know. My initial reaction is black books. I see myself as the guy who runs the bookshop. Yeah. But then I don't drink or I don't smoke and I don't think I'm that much of a bad person in general. 
the only thing that I watch it and think, oh yeah, this is kind of like me when people are coming into his shop and asking him how much is a book and they're like, he's like, go away, I don't want to sell you any books. Because I think in people actually annoy me when they ask, oh shit, in my non-descriptive job of sorts, definitely not a chain, definitely do not work anywhere you would have even heard of. Whenever someone wants to buy something off me, my initial reaction is, oh, why are you wasting my time? Yeah. But I don't know, I don't know. Like, in the TV show, there isn't necessarily a character that I relate to. It's more, I see people I know in. So did you still like Gavin and Stacey when we rewatched it? I think, if you take Gavin and Stacey at face value, I think, if you look at it, it's more of a a social commentary rather than... or not even a social commentary, more of a... I don't know, like... Like, the, kind of The Office, where it kind of takes an ordinary situation and kind of amplifies it. Yeah. I think that it's really good at doing, because I think it brings together, you know, interesting characters, but kind of interesting the ways where you go, oh, I've got a mate that's just like that, or, you know, so-and-so. But I think, as a comedy, like, it did get me laughing, and... There were moments where, you know, I found something funny, I look over to you and you were, like, dead-faced as if nothing had actually happened. As if they'd, like, ran over a cat and you didn't even care. I don't know. I'm not going to hate on it, because I've got a lot of fond memories of the show. Yeah. Although it's not as good as I remember it being, it's still one of those things that... Or unlike White Chicks, which I remember really liking and bigging up and watching and it was awful. This wasn't awful. It was just alright. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think... So although I didn't necessarily see myself in Gavin, I suppose the the situation in some of the episodes that they were in, their living situation, kind of directly mirrors That's our That's why situation. I picked those. And I guess maybe... Maybe it's quite a universal thing that a lot of people have to go through. Yeah, so I picked episodes where, apart from on the first season, because I didn't know what any of the episodes were, I kind of picked episodes where, you know, Gavin and Stacey get married, but they don't know where they're going to live. You know, they they kind of go back home, and they're really unhappy because they don't get to see each other. And then, you know, they have to kind of, like, find the footing. Where do they want to live? And I think because me and you, obviously me being from Cornwall, you being from Brighton, you know, it was a lot like that when you finished uni. Like, we had to stay at mum's and then we decided we didn't want to stay at mum's, we wanted to go to Brighton. And then we lived with your parents and then we were looking for our own place and then we ended up coming back to Penzance. Yeah. Like, it kind of mirrors that situation. And I think maybe that's what they were trying to get at, was that it's such an ordinary situation, they're so ordinary that it's just something that's part of life. I suppose, yeah. I mean, I think there were a few poignant moments. Like, although I'm being quite down on the show, it wasn't a bad show, and although I'm not necessarily the demographic for it, I can understand people liking it and people relating it to their own experiences. I think in the um, the part of the story arc where Stacy is living with Gavin and his parents and says, 
I don't really feel like it's my home. I think we've both been in that situation. <laughs> we've both been in that situation with both of our parents where it's felt like we, we're just a guest in someone else's house. Like, I remember, I think that was the main thing why we moved back to Penzance was because it was really hard to live with another couple that weren't a couple that you'd grown up with, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or for you, it would have been hard for you to move in with my mum when it was just, we were so close, me and my mum, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a weird situation to be in where you do feel like a visitor in the place that you are. It's hard though, isn't it? Because it's such a... In everyone's life, you can't always move straight into a house with your partner. Like, most of the time, you're going to have to stay with each other's thing. Family. Yeah, I guess... It's like a... It's kind of a universal thing that a lot of, especially couples, when they're young, have to go through. And I think that they did do it justice in that way. Yeah. Like, them phoning and then missing each other and then, you know, getting angry with each other. And I remember when... We first got together when you went back home or when you went home for Christmas. I remember being like heartbroken, missing you so much. Yeah. Even though we first when we first got together, I remember thinking, Oh, he's abandoned me, he's left me here by myself. So I think now's a good time to take a break. And when we come back, I wanna talk about I guess where you see yourself on the spectrum of normal. Because obviously the show is designed to represent normal. I'd like to see sort of where we see ourselves in relation to that. And also we've got a new segment that we're going to debut. Before we get into it, I'd like to give a shout out to one of our mates, Safi, who's kind of doing her own thing, doing a lot of crafts. She's done a pretty cool throw and Oh yeah, pillows. stuff's really cool. She does a lot of crafty stuff. She's got multiple Instagram accounts. She's part of the Rambling Bookshelf with my mate Laura. And I'd like to give them both a shout out. Laura, just doing a good job, helping me keep motivated. She's just a nice person. And Saffron, just a really cool girl, like really creative. She's doing really good stuff. She's doing, I think it's called the Lunacy Workshop or something. Yeah, something something like that. She does bullet journal stuff as well on Instagram. She does natural dyeing stuff, stitch work, just cool stuff. And I'd just like to give them a shout out. The Rambling Bookshelf, a big one for us too. But it's nice to talk about things which are good. And Saffron stuff's really good. So, big them up. So the new segment that we're debuting in this episode, I haven't come up with a clever name for it. I'm just going to call it... The Recommended. Seven Molly Recommend. So each week we're going to each be recommending a thing that we like that you should check out. My recommendation is an EP by a band called Sadurn, spelled S-A-D-U-R-N. I think they're from Philadelphia or Pennsylvania. Um, they've got an EP called Gleam. And it's really nice. If you like if you like florist, if you like Waxahachie, if you're into your sort of guitar-based, singer-songwriter type stuff, I think, I think they're a duo. Um, they're, they're sort of melancholy, they're melodic, they're kind of stripped back, almost skeletal sound. They're really nice, and I would recommend them. 
Um, I'm going to recommend a band that we discovered, I'm pretty sure, last night, and I wildly went ahead and downloaded it on my Apple Music, because Seb and me, when we first listened, heard it on the tiny desk, thought, oh, this is really unpleasant to listen to, and I was thinking, actually, it's grown on me quite a bit, and I found myself jamming a bit to it today, so I think it's Charlie Bliss? Charlie Bliss. But spelt really weirdly, it's isn't spelled it? Spelt C-H-A-R-L-Y. Bliss. I don't know why I thought it's like gnarly. Gnarly Bliss. Oh, that would be an even better fan name. Who is that? Like Gnarls. I thought like Gnarls Barkley. Oh, yeah, Gnarls Barkley. Well, Charlie Bliss then. But also, I'm going to slash that and do Orville Peck because we've both been enjoying him recently. Yeah, we've been bumping Pony a lot in the car. Definitely one of our albums of the year. But also something that I've recommended to people at work. And we both watched it. The new Joker film. Which goes against everything we believe in. We completely hate any Marvel DC galaxies. I'm not sure which one is which. The new Joker film actually is banging. It's pretty good. Actually you recommended a couple so i got one more. What? Um, I'm going to recommend a rapper for you. Ugh. Um, so as we know, of the two of us, I'm a bit more of a hip-hop head. Um, so I'm going to recommend the underground rapper called Billy Woods. He's kind of an anonymous guy, he likes to keep his face hidden, but he's got a really distinctive voice, a sort of dark, dense, slow, East Coast flow. Um, if you're into sort of experimental, underground hip-hop, it's definitely worth a listen. I think his album, Hiding Places, with Kenny Siegel, is... Definitely going to be in my top five of the year. Anyway, back to the normal show. Do you see yourself as a normal person? I would say on a scale of normal to abnormal, I'm pretty average. I'd say I'm the probably the most average person I know. Do you reckon? Yeah. How about us as a couple? I'd say we're a pretty average couple. Do you think the the couple I always use as sort of a barometer to test against is um? <laughs> I'd say we're just as average as. And Tom. Do you think? I'd say it's hard spectrum because we're always told that because you're normal you can't be interesting. Yeah. Whereas I feel like that's completely untrue but i don't think that most people would describe either us as kind of like average i mean we're sat here on a monday night recording a podcast i know but you know i've got for me average i'm average height average intelligence got an average voice very well-spoken english you know i don't see what about us isn't average i suppose i think i struggle to put myself in sort of the shoes of a character that's meant to represent sort of the Joe Everyman. I guess because of sort of the life partisans I've made in my life, I you know, went to art school, pursuing a career as an illustrator. You mean, you mean because you think you're better than other people, you find it hard to say I'm the same as the people who I think I'm better than? No, not that, but <laughs> yeah. there's things in my life that, like, when I take a minute to think about them, I think, It's not a normal thing that happens to people. Getting interviewed by Vice magazine or like a comic that I did four years ago showing up in a YouTube video with half a million views. Those are like 
weird things that happened? I think the word average, there's a lot of superiority Yeah, I guess there's kind of a stigma to it. Yeah, like, what's the problem being average? You know, I'm happy being, like, a 6 or 7 out of 10. You know, if I'm a 6 or 7 out of 10 on a good day, you know, that's pretty good. And I'm not even talking looks, I'm talking, like, attitude, place in the world, like... We've got a very average house. We've got very average belongings. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with being average. I suppose. I sort of imagine, though, if someone describes us as a couple, I think quirky is the word. Oh, I hate that word. I hate the word quirky as well. But I think to someone further on the normalcy spectrum than us, I think we sort of embody, I guess, the hipster idea that people imagine. Like, we like obscure bands, we're really into movies, colour our hair weird, we have strange tattoos, we record a podcast on a Monday night. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't. it would be very hard for me to describe someone as not average. I suppose, yeah. And I think there shouldn't be a stigma around being average. Being average is cool. Like, being average is, you know, alright. Yeah. And just because you are average or average in terms of, you know, everything that's going on doesn't mean that you're not an interesting person. Like, if I describe them as an average couple doesn't mean that they're both not really cool. Yeah, I suppose. I think, like Gavin and Stacey, it's the average man's TV show because it because everyone watched it. But I don't see us in Gavin and Stacey as characters. I suppose no, in the experiences say, they have. But. Like I said, I feel like it's not that I see myself in it, I see other people I know in it. I suppose. I'd see, uh, I don't know, I'd say the only people that aren't average are people who like Family Guy and South Park. They're below average. Yeah, they're like bottom of the barrel. That stupid melon-headed kid. I hate him. Um, so as we've done in a couple episodes, I'm going to throw a few TV shows at you. Um, what would you consider, I guess we'll term it populist TV shows designed to appeal to everyone or to as wide a crowd as possible? And then I suppose smart person TV shows like, you know, Peep Show. Where would you place, so I suppose Peep Show, if we're considering that as kind of a smart people show, where would you place like the IT crowd? I'd say that's smart people show as well. Yeah? Yeah, I feel like it's got that appeal of, you know, a certain kind of crowd. What about the in-betweeners? That's hard, though. That's yeah, really that's hard. Yeah, because the thing is, it's so sharply written, but I think anyone funny, that's a teenage though. boy will relate to it. But it's funny. Like, Gavin and Stacey, it, do- it doesn't hit as hard as when it first came out. Whereas in-betweeners, like, it's still popping. What about it's The Office? Hard. The Office, I, US I feel like it's version. smart people. Do you think? I feel like... Because it's meant to depict ordinary life and be mundane. But maybe it's ordinary... Maybe it's, like, average in America, but I think in this country. I suppose. But Derek. Oh, that that gets me every time, but I do think that's just a normal person. Do you think? Yeah, I think... I don't know. Yeah, because it's such a, such a normal working class thing of someone working in a, you know, in old people's home. Do you know what I mean? I suppose, yeah. Um, what about Doctor Who? Is that 
populist or is it smart person? I'd say that's populist. Yeah? Yeah. How about The Simpsons? Populist again. Yeah. But then I feel like people are trying to make it into a smart people's TV show, but they're failing. Alright. What about some of the blockbusters? What about Breaking Bad? Because it was hugely popular, but also exquisitely done. I reckon that was smart people. Yeah? Yeah, I think it was smart people, but it got mainstream success. Yeah. Do you think something that's designed as a smart people thing can transcend that into yeah, I think so. an everyone thing? Yeah, because I reckon, like, the peop- the person in uh, IT crowd, I reckon it was written for a very specific kind of audience. But I felt like it tapped, it got, like... Yeah? Okay, I'm going to go quick fire. The Meg. The Meg? Yeah, some of these Popularists. Harry Potter. Popularist. Joker. The new one. Yeah. Yeah, smart people. Short term 12. Smart people. Art school confidential. Stupid people. Where the wild things are. Smart people. Smiley. Popularist. Paranormal activity. Smart people, but then it got that mainstream success. The Blair Witch Project. Smart people again, but it got the mainstream success Um, behind it. Get out. Smart people, but then again, it got the mainstream success behind it as well. Bob Dylan. Painful. Roald Dahl. Popularist. But I don't reckon it started out that way. What about Dr. Zeus? Smart people. Scooby-Doo. Smart people. Do you think? Nah. Just good. Okay, last one, last one. The Purge. Smart people, but then it got that mainstream. Do you think? Yeah. Because I think it's such a good concept, but once you scratch beyond it being a good concept, it's like sloppily executed. Yeah, but I feel like that, just the fact that it's a good concept, they would have thought that through. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Alright, so let's wrap it up. I think I didn't hate Gavin and Stacey. I wouldn't choose to sit down and watch it, but I'm not going to deny that it's got its moments. I think for me, like a decent six. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, What about you? I'd say a decent six to a light seven. How does that compare with when you watched it in the past? I'd have said maybe before that it would have been an eight. Yeah. I feel like it lost a lot of its respectability. I felt like a lot of the jokes weren't didn't land. I felt kind of the characters of Gavin and Stacey kind of felt a little bit fake to me at times. I didn't feel like they felt genuine. Felt like there was just a bit of a disconnect. Whether that's because we missed a lot of episodes, you know, you can only watch so many episodes without watching them all. But I just felt like there was something missing. Um, the final point I wanted to make. Um, people talk a lot about jokes that wouldn't fly in the year 2019. There was one joke in particular that I noticed that made me go, ooh. Where, as an insult, what's the couple that's always arguing? Oh, Dawn and Pete. When Dawn calls Pete a pre-op. Yeah, what does that even mean? As if to suggest that he looks like a transgender woman. Oh my god, I didn't even notice that. I thought it just meant pre-operation as in he needed a face, he needed like surgery. Gavin and Stacey, hashtag cancelled.
Yeah, you heard it here first. Gavin and Stacey are not doing the Christmas special anymore. Seb has cancelled them. Let's start a Twitter tirade. Unionise. So that's the Gavin and Stacey episode in the books. Next episode, we're going to be doing something a bit different, something we haven't done before. Um, We're going to be breaking the law. I'm going to be loading up a game emulator on my laptop. Oh my god. We're going to be playing the classic Nintendo 64 title, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, considered by many to be the greatest game of all time. Okay, Tom, cover your ears, because I know you're one with the law at the moment. We're honestly, seriously not going to break any laws, Tom, I promise you. Definitely no piracy. No piracy, no illegal game downloading. I think I'm going to get you to play sort of towards... Up to the end of the first dungeon. So all you gamer boys and gamer girls out there, get your ears at the ready. Load up your emulators if you want a bit of nostalgia too. This is added at the gaming boys, at big boy games, at any other gaming people, at BuzzFeed, they probably do game reacts, at Stoner's Game. At Game Boy Advance SP. <laughs> at DS. We're not hanging out, we, because disgusting. I mean, this is one for you boys or girls or dogs, you know? I'm not going to say who. This is for you players out there who are at playing games with your girls. Okay, mental. Okay, good night, my nerds. (laughs) Have a good morning, a good afternoon. Let's hope life treats you well in the game of life. Stay hydrated, get some sleep, three square meals a day, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, okay, you can get rid of your circle meals. they got to be square meals. The show's opening theme song, Bicycle Ever, as well as its closing song, Even Pinker, performed by Pickle Darling. The album Bigness is available now on Zed Tapes Records. You've also heard an extract from Season 1, Episode 1 of Gavin and Stacey.